Hello and welcome. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today we're talking about how to make an action-adventure feature film with Harry Locke, the fourth, the director of City of Gold. He's also a colorist. He uh, coloured The Wolverine. He also is an online editor of films such as X-Men, Days of Future Past and The Brilliant Tangerine. We talk about how you can make a proof of concept. We talk about how you work with non-actors. And we give you tips for colouring a film when you can't afford it. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Giles Alderson. I'm the director and co-writer of the feature film The Dare, and uh, I'm the director and producer of World of Darkness, which is available now if you want to go watch it. Uh, And I'm the producer of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, the wonderful, dark, comedy horror from Staten Cousins Row. And I'm the producer of Cassette, Marcus Harbin's brand new found footage horror. Be out soon. Okay, I thought I thought it makes sense for me to impart some of the knowledge I've learned from making my feature films and from doing the podcast and listening to hundreds of other people talk about how they made their films and do a webinar. Yeah, that's right. I thought I'd do a webinar where you can come and listen to me talk in depth about uh, how you can make your film uh, and the secrets behind it. Sometimes we don't give them away on the podcast. Sometimes we can't and we're not allowed. The webinar is going to be on Wednesday, February the 13th, 6pm European time. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can come and join me. It's only 12 99 so come and join me then. We're going to be talking about finding the right project. What is the right project and working with the right people. How you find the right people. Uh, producers, directors, screenwriters, or if you're a screenwriter, how do you progress? How do you move forward? We're going to be talking about how you can meet uh, high net worth individuals and the various means that you can raise the finance for your film. We're going to be talking about the shoot itself, how you can prepare for being on set, how you prepare for being a producer, a director, uh, and how you can work with actors and get the best out of performances. And from being on set all the way through to getting the film sold, uh, it's very in-depth, it's going to be great. There's going to be a Q&A at the end, so you can all ask questions and get some and get a bit of one-on-one time with your project. That is my new webinar from script to screen. Um, so if you fancy that, click the link. It's in the show notes. I'll be delighted to have you join me. should be fun. Speaking of which, tonight is the first Make Your Film event, and we sold out, um, which is brilliant. So thank you, those who are coming down. Um, amazing. Can't wait to see you there. For those that missed out this time, we've already got another one. It's already been lined up. We've already got some collaborations set up. And we've got a bit of sponsorship. It's kind of kicked off straight away, which is amazing. So me and Dom Lenoir are over the moon. So if you fancy joining us for the next one, it's on the 5th of March. Again, in London. Link is in the show notes. And you can get an early bird discount if you're quick. If you're quick. Um, So yeah, link is in the show notes. 5th of March, the next Make Your Film event. Calling all actors. Our friends at Raindance are offering you a chance to experience what it's like on a film set. It's at their Saturday Screen Acting School Masterclass. Uh, It's a brand new course and it's designed to bring actors and non-actors up to speed with the skills and techniques needed to successfully work as a screen actor. Uh, Fancy that, that sounds cool. Um, While giving you the experience of what it's like to work in front of a camera. Book early, book now, and you can get 30% off with our exclusive Filmmakers Podcast discount. Oh, we keep giving you gifts. Uh, the discount code is RDPodcast20. Just to confuse you, it's 30% off, but the code is RDPodcast20. Link again in the show notes. Thank you, Raindance. We love you. This week's shout-outs go to those wonderful people who put our podcast into BuzzFeed uh, as a possible recommendation of a podcast you should listen to. Thank you. Uh, there was quite a lot of you did that I really really appreciate it really thank you shout outs to you uh, shout outs to Andrew Lean Media Roo Greek Vibes News uh, Martin Neely 
Hey, brother. Uh, Shouts to you. Um, Shouts to Sophia Hamblin, Diane Knight, Paul McNulty, Jeff Wolfenden, and Michael Beddoes, whose sequence film uh, was playing this weekend, uh, last weekend even, and I went to see it with Dom Noir, and it's a brilliant short film. Well done, brother. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me, and thank you for listening to the podcast. Keep listening. Keep plugging away, and you will eventually make your feature film, I promise you. You are that good. It's going to happen for you. Oh, and uh, finally, before we get to today's podcast... Um, this Saturday is the final day for the Marsden's Beer Town Film Festival. This is the second year they've done it. I'm one of the judges this year. They've asked me to judge it, but they're still looking for shorts and documentary shorts and music videos that you've made. It's free to enter. So why wouldn't you? Um, especially with me judging, because I do like a little bong. So if you want to, you know... Do you like sweets, vegan sweets if you can? No, just vegan sweets. I won't have the others. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, honestly, I don't take bribes. But anyway, link is in the show notes. If you want to get your short film seen uh, by the Marsden's Beer Town Film Festival, it finishes this Saturday. The, the what date's that? This Saturday the 2nd. It's the last day you can put your entries in. Do it real quick because the winner gets £1,000. And Nick Hatton-Jones, who would listen to this podcast, put in last year, he won. Um, by the way, I haven't had a beer from you for that, Nick. Um, so, link is in the show notes, but go to beertownfilmfestival.co.uk and apply. Why wouldn't you? So, here it is. This is my chat with the really wonderful Harry Locke IV. Um, so, do enjoy. Sit back, relax, get a pen, get a bit of paper... If you're travelling, then just remember all the really cool information he tells you. Right, this is uh, Filmmaker's Podcast with Harry Locke. Enjoy. It's my actual joy to welcome to the Filmmaker's Podcast, Harry Locke, the fourth. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Doing good, my friend. Doing my good. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> a pleasure. Um, though technically, you might be the first uh, with, a, with a sort of title after your name. Uh, to- <laughs> To ever come on the podcast, we've might have had a few sirs, and uh-huh. technically, I might be a lord, uh, <laughs> though not many people know that. But I was, I was bought a lordship for my birthday. You can buy them. That's pretty, you know, that's it, pretty royal. That's great. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I feel pretty royal. In the UK, we just buy them. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Lord Charles Alderson. Um, but that's really irrelevant because it was a birthday present. But it's still cool and it's still real. No, that's pretty awesome. Officially, I think, I don't I, I think if this. I added Lord Harry Lock the Fourth, I think that would just be <laughs> that would just be overkill. It would be, <laughs> and I think it's just overkill. setting people up for disappointment. So I'm gonna. I, <laughs> I think that's why I don't use Lord Alderson. It's a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm Giles, Lord Giles Alderson. Yeah, no, I'll stop that straight away. So, how come you are? Harry Locke the fourth. Is there three others of you? Before? There are there are three other uh, there are three other Harry Locks uh, dating wow. back to the early 1900s. <laughs> Do you know th- that is fascinating? Because when I googled your name, there was a, an actor there called was an Harry actor. Locke. Yeah, uh, called Harry Locke, who was, was friends with Dylan Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> and it, the Dylan weird Thomas. thing is, he actually died a date In- after my birthday. Isn't what? that weird? Yeah, I mean, well, not the exact year, but he he passed away on December thirteenth, and it's I was like born on December twelfth. So it was like wow. maybe it was like a weird exchanging of the spirits, you know? <laughs> That's cool. That is really cool. But but he's not related to you at all. He is, from what I know, he's not related. Right. Maybe okay. I should do one of those like DNA things. <laughs> yeah, I know. We all should. We should. Right. I'd love to do it. Find out where we're from. That's great. That's great. Ah oh, man, this is really cool. So look, you're you're. You're kind of an all-rounder. You do everything. You're a, a screenwriter. You're a colorist. You're an editor. You're a director. Um, let's get right back to the beginning of how you started. What sure. what made you get into film in the first place? Well, you know, as a as a child growing up in like the south suburbs of Chicago, um, I, I was kind of born into a, a family that that didn't necessarily do jobs in the creative industry. My dad was a lab technician at a steel mill and my mother was a registered nurse. Uh, wow. But they, they both had these qualities of, you know, great communication, great writing, and just being generally artistic uh, that kind of spoke to me early. And they, they made sure I was involved with 
artistic groups. Uh, I was in music. I, I did theater. I did acting groups in Chicago. And yeah. by the time I got to high school, a couple of friends and I got together. We had this English class with a pretty progressive teacher who was like, you know, if you don't want to do a typical book report, you can do something else. Like, why don't you guys do a video? And we were like, okay, we're going to like, you know, script out a little short story and, and, and make a little short film. And what I realized was through making those little movies, those, those early videos is that the film medium was kind of a culmination of all these things that I love to do, you know, making mm. music, the writing, the performing, uh, the, the organizing it all together in front of the camera. It was kind of this conglomeration of all those different, all those different talents. And I remember we played these videos for our classmates and the teacher was like, you know, you you actually have something here. Like, you should consider nice. maybe pursuing this. And, you know, of course, that terrifies the parents because they're like, oh, my God, how's he going to make a living? If yeah, this is absolutely. <laughs> Still terrifies us now. Yeah, yeah, a a absolutely. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, you know, for, for a while, it was just something I took as like a serious, as a serious hobby. Uh, mm -hmm. A couple of friends and I, I mean, I worked, I worked a little part-time job at a, at a local library and saved up some money, bought this old Canon GL1, uh, which had like, you know, a thousand plus hours on it and had these three nice. dead pixels that we realized mm. after we started filming stuff. Great. Uh, Great. <laughs> but, uh, but we, we, we shot, we shot like an hour and a half long movie called Noir and yes. screened that at the school and the Chicago Tribune, which is a big publication in Chicago, actually did an article on me and my, my, my friends who made the movie. And, you know, that kind of rush of making the first film was like, OK, I just want to keep pursuing doing this as long as I can until I have to, you know, if I have to switch out and do something else. You know, I just still want to be able to make these films do this as a do this as a passion. And that continued into my undergrad when I went to the Ohio State University and I actually got fortunate to get hired to shoot some commercials for Nike that had partnered right. up with the wow. school. And that was the first time I had gotten like a big client and, you know, got a check. It was like, oh, okay, so you can't actually do this. And yeah, this is a real thing. Yeah, this Someone is a real will thing. Give me money you, you can't actually do this. do this and keep the light bills <laughs> paid. Yeah. And so yeah, and so from there it just kind of was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to pursue this as a as a serious, as a serious job and, you know, ended up applying and getting into the University of Southern California Film School and moved out to Los Angeles, uh, did the, did the graduate program out there, got my MFA and yep. about a month before graduation, I mean, there's a, a bunch of stuff that happened kind of in between that, but, uh, a month before graduation, I, I met Ron Blum and, he introduced me to his project, City of Gold, and was like, hey, you know, I, I'd love to bring you on to direct this and just kind of rolled into directing my first feature. It was kind of like a culmination of the past, like 10 years, you know, leading up to that and just got right into it, got right into making an action adventure movie. That's amazing. That's great. And it was, was that something that was, that seemed to be quite, did it feel quite simple and easy? The fact that he just sort of went to me, that sounded like you just went, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the guy just went, go make this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I imagine it wasn't that easy, but yeah, it was know, like, was it? It, well, it, it was, it's funny because the, the road up to that, you know, had a bunch of the usual, you need to be resilient in this industry. Mm -hmm. And it kind of started in 2013 where I had actually uh, conceptualized this idea for an alternative Gotham show, um, the Batman oh. show that's on Fox mm. now. Um, yeah. And it was this, it, it was born out of this concept of, I wanted to do a show that focused on the citizens of Gotham city and how crazy it must be to be the normal person living in this world where you've got a guy who's dressed up in a bad outfit and, all these crazy villains that are, you know, just causing daily, daily havoc on your travel routine. You know, it yeah, must like, yeah. it must be a nightmare. And so I wrote this treatment and a couple of friends really, really dug it. Originally, I was going to shoot it as a YouTube web series. And a couple of friends where the treatment was like, nah, man, you got to try and get this in front of Warner Brothers. This is like a really good, well-written package. And a longtime collaborator of mine, his name is Alan Azule. He put me in touch with his agent. His agent really liked it. 
she signed me on and packaged me with the guys who were the showrunners of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures. And we were originally scheduled to pitch that to Warner Brothers. Unfortunately, in the time that it took us to get our pitch together, they had already picked up the Bruno Heller show that would eventually oh. become the Gotham that was on TV. So, oh, God. yeah. So I was like, I was kind of bummed about that. And, and then ultimately what ended up happening was there was discussion of, well, you know, you kind of have this nice grasp of the comic genre. There's some other shows on the horizon. Maybe you could kind of shoot a proof of concept uh, to, you know, kind of show your ability to direct these kind of shows. And so I always had a, a, another affinity for John Constantine, uh, a yeah. great yeah. UK character, great Brit, Indeed. and uh, went and shot a short proof of concept, uh, casted this actor named Robbie Allen. We went and shot this short film and just threw it online and just and just wanted to see what would happen. And the thing took off, had some really moderate, good success online. I think right now it's got like a quarter of a million views. And really got a good response. A bunch of comic book sites had picked this up and did a, a, a whole interview and report and a breakdown on the film for us. And that actor, Robbie, knew Ronald and showed him the short and was like, yeah, this is the kind of tone of what I'm looking for uh, for this movie. I'd love to meet up with this guy and, and talk with him and see if we can move forward with the movie. And sure enough, you know, we got together. We met at a Cheesecake Factory restaurant out here in Los Angeles. <laughs> cheesecake Factory? Were, che- were they actually making cheesecake? Were they, well, <laughs> were they, yeah, they have a great selection of cheesecake. If you're ever out here. Wow. If you're ever out here, right. on me, my tree, I will take you there. <laughs> if they do vegan ones, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I love uh, the fact that you met him there. It was like, yeah, no, could you, I love the fact that you, you could have eaten just, oh, we just met. No, no, we met at a cheese factory. Exactly. No, it's, 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 it, it'll be forever burned into my mind because it's, right. you know, that's, when you do something like that, it's, uh, you remember it for quite a while. Um, yes. And I met him and his wife and he was like, you know what? I really want to get into film and mm-hmm. why not just take my own fate in my hands and I want to make this movie and I'm basically going to trust you to direct this film. Amazing. And, uh, you know, I was 25 at the time a month removed from or about a month graduating from film school. And I was like, you know what? There's nothing else going on and you're never going to get another opportunity to just come at you like this. So I was like, let's do it. Wow. Yeah. What an opportunity. That's amazing. Yeah. That is incredible. And by then you'd made, you'd made quite a few shorts, right? I mean, at that point you'd, you'd obviously made your shorts. You'd worked on lots of noir. I'm still here, which you're also in. And, um, cinematographer, you'd Citadel, Crimson Rain. Had you done Hellblazer? Had you done all those? I had, I had done all those. I had done all those. And and you know what? All those films is where I learned all those different skills because it came out of necessity. You know, I had Mm. to learn how to edit and I had to learn how to shoot and I had to learn how to sound design and color correct because at the time, you know, in a lot of those different phases, there just weren't people around that, you know, either knew how to do it or, you know, I could, I could pay, you know, to do it. So it was like, but I had the time to learn those skills. And so ended up teaching myself a lot of that stuff and, and combining that with what I learned at USC and yeah. just kind of forge forth with making these movies. That's really impressive, and it's really exciting. Were you shitting yourself? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It's one of those things where it wasn't. It didn't really hit me until mm-hmm. you know, till we got close, and right. you know, then you see all the the things that are still left to do. You mm-hmm. know, on your on list. your your list, and yeah. it's it's like okay, we're all mo- we're all flying out to Hawaii. You know, we've got, I had all the, the key, the key actors, the principal actors were all here in in Los Angeles. So I could do readings with them or I could work with them directly. Uh, But a lot of the other talent all lived in Maui. So the only time I had seen them before was when I was out there location scouting and we did a casting session out there in Maui. We let them know uh, remotely who and who did not get the part. But I didn't see them again until we were on set, until we were shooting. And so it was kind of like very quickly, you know, working with some folks who had acted a ton before and working with some who had never acted before. And so, you know, it was a lot of lot of pressure to not only get the technical side right, but really as a director kind of working with the actors to make sure they were in the right headspace. I think that was like... You know, every day was like a rush for me. It's like, okay, we've got to get through X and X amount of pages and we've got to get all these things 
knocked out. So I was constantly, you know, the adrenaline was pumping. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And lack of sleep. But that's all right. Because oh, yeah. you, you're making a movie. So it's kind of like, well, I'll be all right. I'll right. sleep for two weeks afterwards, which is what I did. Exactly. Um, <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I love that you jumped straight in and just fearless. And, and I, I think that's... I think that's probably the best time for a filmmaker is that first time. Right. When you don't know any different, you've made shorts, you've probably made loads of promos, and you've done all that stuff. Some people haven't, they jump straight into it. But if you have or haven't, that first time is like, well, I've got nothing to lose. Right. This is how I think it should be shot. This is what I think it should look like and how you should stand and say the lines. And people sort of listen to you and you go, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a, you have nothing to compare it to. So all you can do is sort of, you give your best. Right. You're sort of like, well, yeah, you just go for it. And that passion. A lot of directors do say that their first one was the sort of the most free they were ever on a film set because they weren't thinking of anything else but just going, right, yes. all right, let's get the shots. Yes, What's absolutely. Next? So those of you who don't know what this is about, an anguished media magnate, Jonathan Davenport, which was played brilliantly uh, by Robbie Allen, accompanies his estranged lover to the Peruvian Amazon in pursuit of a reclusive artist living in a rebel occupation. Despite their philanthropic intentions, the mission proves to be the harbinger of something dark and ominous rooted deep within Jonathan. The location of El Dorado. The lost city of gold. Well, that's what the Spaniards called it, but... It means much, much more than that. El Dorado is a sacred place where anything you wish will come to reality. Go! You guys can't possibly believe that. The story has believed in it enough to slaughter a nation. Where is the city of gold? We'll help you find El Dorado. Jorge Escobilla is a wanted man. Maybe he knows the way. To El Dorado. How many more must I slaughter? Death is only the beginning. Your life for hers! El Dorado. You believe the natives' lies? Every lie starts with truth. It's a city of gold. It's an action adventure with, you know, swords and fighting and in the Amazon look. I mean, it's it's great. What a great thing to make. Thank you. So jumping back a little bit, because obviously you're a colorist as well and an editor, an online editor. Yes. And you worked on some big movies, yeah. including X-Men and The Wolverine uh, and Tangerine as well, which is a Sundance hit, which yeah. you were the online editor for, which is great. How did those come about? I mean, you've got your production companies, Code 10. Mm -hmm. How did all they, how did it happen? How did you become so prolific? Well, you know, it, it's funny is when I first, you know, kind of going back to, like I said, with those early movies where it was like teaching myself the different processes, mm -hmm. the, the one that I enjoy the most, I mean, obviously besides the directing uh, aspect of it, uh, I really enjoyed color correction and it was, it was, it was really funny. It was a really funny enlightenment when I moved out to Los Angeles and I was like, oh, wait, wait, people actually get paid to do this? People actually get <laughs> paid to color movies? I, I had no idea that this was like, you know, uh, 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 people were doing I this think, for a living. <laughs> yeah, you just thought the director did it or the DP. Yeah, just I was just like, you know, at some you? point this thing happens and, and you know, that's that. I had no idea that that was like an actual career and, you know, yeah. people were making good money uh, sustaining themselves doing this. And I thought, okay, what a great field because you're working closely with all these great directors. And, you know, everybody loves the colorist because the colorist is just coming in to make your movie look good. You know, yeah, it's not the so editing true. phase where you're searching for the truth of the movie. It's like colorist comes in and he makes all the great things pop, you know, and yeah. you're the hero. So you know, everybody you're loves you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like Daisy Aitkins, who was on the podcast uh, recently. She said... So you said that's the best time because it's like Instagram filter. Yes. You've got your photo <laughs> and you just make it look really nice. I was like, I like that. Yeah. It's true. This yeah, is time, time it's to play. Because by the you time the sound is far. close to being done and all the other stuff yeah. is laying in and it's Absolutely, just like it's almost yeah. a finished picture. Mm. 
Yeah, by then you've got a movie and it's like, oh, wow, now we can make it look like a, a proper movie. Oh, and it, uh, you get the tingles again. You remember. Right. Hey, th- this is worth it. <laughs> right. <laughs> the shit you go through. Yeah, this is worth it. This is worth it. Right. Look at that. So yeah. essentially what ended up happening was after I, after I left USC, after I graduated from there, my first professional gig in between trying to get all this pre-production and everything ready uh, for City of Gold was I got hired to be an editing instructor at a new film program that had started in L.A., uh, teaching both editing and color correction. And it's funny enough, that, that job, they, sit, they were the ones who sent me to Maui for a week to do a Adobe year-long or week-long intensive. And that's actually where I met the film commissioner, Tracy Bennett. And we, were, we had that conversation there in Maui of, oh, I'm shooting this adventure movie that needs jungle. And he was like, you know, bring it out here. You know, where else? You're not going to be able to find jungle out in, in California. It's too dry. No. You know, and anywhere else you go is going to be really remote, really expensive to try and pull off. And Mm -hmm. um, he was like, you know, bring your production out here. And when I got back to Los Angeles, I met up with Ron. We talked about it and we were like, yeah, that's that's the place to go. So we how wonderful. Look at that. You had the sort of paid for week course and then you met this person who set your film on yeah. the right path to sh- isn't that great it, it was yeah it was all these like little we, we kept getting all these happy accents I, it, it was interesting my my day jobs kept opening up things inadvertently you know for the movie which was like it was it was a crazy it was a crazy chain because literally we met tracy we got the permission to shoot out in in maui and he helped us and opened up a lot of doors and after production, I actually got hired more on a full-time basis with this post-production company called Different by Design, uh, who wears where I that's where I racked up almost all those uh, credits. It's a highly prolific company. There's like four or five of us, and we bang out hundreds of movies uh, together um, um, a year. And literally from day one, working with these guys is when I jumped into Tangerine. Um, you know, we eventually ended up working on Icarus, which won the Oscar for best documentary. Uh, mm-hmm. this year and those guys who were also happened to be fellow USC graduates from a, about 20 years prior uh, wow. really kind of supported me in making my movie and they opened up their doors and they said you know what in the after hours if you need a space to edit or you need a space to color correct your movie you know the the the, the place is yours you know in exchange for you know a lot of the hard work I put in there and that was another avenue of my job kind of helping us out and creating a outlet for us to be able to get the movie done that we would not have had had i not been working in the post-production field so been highly fortunate that a lot of doors have opened through the post business highly fortunate but at the same time you seem like a really nice guy and i reckon that goes (laughs) a hugely long way when you're talking to someone they didn't they're not going to just go, oh, yeah, here, have this or have that right. if you're a bit of an arsehole. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so it goes to show that just sometimes, you know, be nice uh, and you come across that way. So I imagine that that's one of the main reasons as well as having a great idea and a great concept. Thank um, you. A bit of a tip, though, for someone who can't afford a colorist on their feature film right now. Is there anything, advice you could give them about? best way to color their short or their feature yeah you know i mean i, I color with davinci resolve which is kind of mm-hmm. like the industry standard at this point now of color correction programs and black magic who makes that software obviously they make a whole great line of cameras now um black magic who makes that software has a free version uh davinci resolve i think they call it studio or or something like that now that you can go on their site and you can download and there, there's so many people now that are that are getting into uh, color correction that there's so there's a lot of options now where you, there's a lot of folks who are just learning and kind of want to do these things at, to kind of build up the muscle to kind of build up the resume and you can get lucky find yourself a really good young hungry colorist bring them onto your project and learn that whole collaboration aspect. Or, you know, I'm a big DIY guy. I say go and, and learn it yourself. You know, go on YouTube, watch some videos, um, you know, really kind of educate yourself on the process, you know, and train your eye of what you're looking for, of what you want, and, you know, see if you can do it that way. And if all else fails, you know, you can hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Offer right there. No, that's great. It's true, though. I think it, it, there's so much stuff online now. 
that if you want to edit, you want to color grade, uh, sound mix, the, the information is there. There's no excuses not to make your movie. Um, so yeah, that's great advice. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Did you, with, in terms of the script then, did you, obviously it'd been written, um, brilliantly by Ronald Blum. Did you then, cause you're a screenwriter yourself, work on it a little bit, adapt it, put it into your own words at times, or did you not feel you needed to? Yeah, there was, there was a, a bit of a, uh, process with Ron and obviously because the script was written so long ago there were mm. some some things we wanted and, and that we needed to adapt to the location of where we were going you know I worked with him and said okay you know here's our budget here's what we have available how do we shift these scenes to work within what we have and yes. yeah so there was there was a process of combing through the script and you know, at the end of the day, we said, okay, we're going to keep the spirit of it the same, the theme of it the same, you know, and let's just change, you know, these scenes to fit with what we have available to us. And from that, there were some really cool things that kind of came out that weren't there in the original script. You know, we had these big animation set sequences that, you know, oh. weren't really explicitly described in the script. Uh, and that's another that's another thing that kind of came out of necessity where it was like, OK, obviously we don't have the resources to do these grand sweeping you know, scenes of the Inquisitor pillaging the Incan Empire. But mm -hmm. what we can do is we can find an alternative way to show it that still has this big time feeling. And I ended up reaching out to Bo Brokup, who is another guy who I've had like a 20 year long history with. We went to grade school together. And I reached, I found him on Facebook years later. I was like, Hey man, are you still drawing? Do you, do you still do that kind of thing? And yeah. he's like, actually I'm doing it professionally. I do it for like video game companies. And, <laughs> Amazing. and yeah, I was like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, because I have this great opportunity for you. For and you. Uh, he was down, you know, he was down to, to do these and he did it he, him and his wife who's also an animator. Um, she gave some assistance on some of the backgrounds here or there, but he pretty much took over that whole thing and really brought it to life and gave the film a whole nother dimension um, and really expanded the story from what was there on the page. I love that. I love that you can take something that's already great and just mold it a little bit, depending on location and actors and just twist it into something else. Right. Did you find that when you were on set as well, that so you'd, you'd be adapting some of the script as you went, depending on again, location and actors. Oh, ab absolutely. Um, one of the characters in the movie who plays this this rebel leader? He's kind of the leader of the rebel expedition that kind yep. of counters our crew. Who's played by Walter Benaziak. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, Walter Benaziak uh, has been going back talking about another another twenty year relationship. Walter Benaziak has been my best friend since the second grade. He was the, probably the only person on set who had been there from day one. You know of. Right me picking up a video camera and doing anything with it. And so it was this really kind of surreal experience where we both kind of just looked at all the things that were buzzing around on set. And I was like, man, you remember when we were making these films for our English class? And now yes. here we are in Hawaii. Um, we've got oh Vernon Wells and Branscombe Richmond. Yeah. And, you know, oh my God. Yeah. It, was, it was amazing, you know. Oh God, yeah, I bet. That feeling's just, it doesn't go away. That feeling is just magical. Yeah. yeah I've got, you're making a movie with people you admire and love. And yeah. Your friends. And yeah, that's what, for me, that's what it's about. It's yeah. about bringing up your friends with you as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you're going to do well, why not bring them and let them do well as well, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you it, hope they do the same for yeah, you. Yeah. It's like, it's like a surreal kind of like culmination of everything. How many days did you shoot for? We shot 12 days in Maui. And then we wow. did, um, I believe it was four or five days in Los Angeles. We kind of took a hiatus when we got back. Because by the time we got back, it was already like the holidays from Maui. It was yep. already like heading into Thanksgiving and everything. And then we resumed uh, top of 2015. And it was like January or February. We started shooting the rest of those scenes. And pretty much we're then in post-production kind of after that you know i i was i was my own assistant editor so it took me some time to get the project set up all the fun stuff of syncing dailies with video and um then basically handed that off to my editor jared martin who i had worked with at usc he cut hellblazer for me we had a great working relationship he was he's the kind of guy where i can just give him 
the footage and he'll go off and make something great with it, you know? And Perfect. so that process started after we did those 16 principal days of photography. Right. Wow. 16 days. Yeah. Pretty much. That's, that's amazing. That you managed to get all this in 16 days. It's pretty impressive. A lot of action, a lot going on. Um, how did you find shooting day to day then? What was your process? Did you, did you storyboard? Did you, uh, plan exactly what you wanted? Talk me through that. You know, it was, it was, it was a really, the whole schedule was obviously, uh, very ambitious. It was a very mm-hmm. ambitious schedule. You know, each morning we got up at maybe like 5 a.m. and then, uh, we boarded our shuttle at, cause we, Branscombe Richmond, you know, who's the producer and, and one of the leads, has this whole kind of cluster of houses by his property. And that's where the crew and the cast all stayed. And some of the locations we were shooting at were on the other side of the island. So we'd have to get on this shuttle and move out to the jungle. You know, you lose phone signal, you lose all that. So any communication we had to make to the outside world in the beginning, in the morning at like 5 a.m., and um, we'd board this shuttle, we'd drive out to the shooting locations and immediately would start blocking out the scenes uh, with the actors and, and, and Sean and his, his camera crew would all watch what we're doing and he'd yeah. see how we'd kind of find the scenes, kind of find the blocking, the actions of what we wanted to do and they saw what we wanted to do and I'd say, okay, actors out and then the crew would come in and start lighting and um, setting up everything for us to fly them back in to actually start shooting the scene. Now, obviously, what ended up happening was, you know, with 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 Hawaii, there's you get island weather, mm, you know. So you say, yeah, you you get these things where it would rain for like two seconds, or it like would rain for ten minutes, and you're like, okay, I hope this stops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, and, and, and you know, sometimes if you pay attention to the movie, you, you will see there's there's elements where it's like, okay, there's just rain on this one character, you know, <laughs> and everybody else is like, <laughs> it's it dry. Seems, yeah, yeah, it's dry, and you know, it, we got really fortunate with the weather out there that it was it, it pretty much worked in our favor. Um, the scene where we wanted rain. Uh, you know, there's this great yeah. scene where they, where, where Vernon S. the Inquisitor is, is unlocking the power to El Dorado. And, you know, it, it started raining at this perfect time. I was like, oh, this is a sign. Okay. Things yeah. are working in our favor. Let's, let's take advantage of this. And, yeah. uh, we're able to incorporate that into the, into the story. And, you know, we just got really lucky with a way a lot of the, 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 the pieces fell into play. Some of the more complex pieces, like the, the action scenes, um, mm. you know, those scenes would take almost the entire day to shoot because obviously shooting action, you have to shoot it so many times and with so many different angles. There's the whole rehearsal process that, you know, those are the most fun to shoot, but it also eats up a lot of, of your time. Yeah. Especially right. if you've got blood or wounds to right. do. Or, yeah. Right. And trying to fi- figure out the continuity, trying to figure out how to make all that stuff work uh, and synthesize together. You know, there was a couple of scenes where like, okay, we're going to have to push this to the next day. And now we're playing a little bit of catch up, you know? Mm. So it was, it was every day, every day, Sean would kind of come into my room at like 5 a.m. And he'd be like, all right, man, so what are we doing today? <laughs> how are we going to get through <laughs> this today? You know, and I was like, okay, I think. Here's, here's what we're going to do. And he's like, let me see your shot list and let me see what you got going on. And so we, we were really plugged in um, mm. the entire time, you know, of getting the production together. Yes. Did you already know your location? So had you already done a big recce of that or were you kind of a little bit on finding it as you went? Yeah, I, I had came out uh, about a month to two months before shooting and we did a two week, we did a two week stay at Branscombe's property and we kind of did a, a, a live run through of what it would be like to be staying here, you know, and going over to the locations. And he took me out to several spaces and, and was really integral in, in just getting those locations. We ended up shooting at this. There's this there's this whole scene to, uh, towards the first half of the movie where we shoot at this amazing house, this amazing property mm-hmm. that was built on a mountaintop that basically looks over all of Maui. Yeah, and beautiful. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it actually, it ruins houses for you because you go and you see this house <laughs> and you're like, I'll never be able to afford anything like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you absolutely. Know? And by the time the crew had come out to shoot the movie, 
you know, it was a matter of, you know, we knew where we were shooting, but we were finding where to stage, you know, certain things. You know, obviously we had this whole jungle space and it's like, okay, how are we going to shoot different spots of this to make it look like they had traveled a long way and it wasn't like we're just walking in a circle, you know, just turning the camera at different points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and so it was like fi- finding these areas within the areas we had found was probably uh, the biggest challenge. But luckily, the crew had come out a couple of days before we shot. So we were maybe in Maui for a total of 15 days. And maybe two or three of those days were prep, um, you know, looking at this kind of relocation scouting, the places we had already handpicked, and then choosing, okay, put the stake down here. Here's where we're going to shoot these actual scenes. Any advice then for a filmmaker now who's thinking of making an action adventure, very romancing the stone type movie? Um, what advice would you give someone at the moment? Be fearless. You know, be absolutely fearless and don't let anything you read about or let anything you read or hear about, uh, you know, don't that it's going to d- d- deter you from making the movie. Don't do it, or or you don't think your budget's not good enough, or you don't think you're experienced enough. There, there's literally nothing that should stop you now from telling the stories you want to tell. Uh, the the industry has changed dramatically, where there's so many resources available. Uh, there's so many avenues for you to make your movie now. The the cost of admission into getting into film production has has dropped dramatically and mm. you can go out and and if just by using ingenuity and being savvy you can make a really ambitious piece of work uh without having a multi-million dollar budget you know it's just you yeah. it's more about how willing are you to sacrifice put yourself in there think outside the box to make these things happen you know this like i said this was my first feature film first big feature film and it's not mm-hmm. two people talking in a coffee shop you know there's a lot of various things going on and not once were was myself or my team or ron afraid to say okay let's let's try it let's push it Correct. let's let's see what we can do you know you have to have a sense of fearlessness you got to be a little bit crazy you got to say hey i'm gonna go out and make this action movie you know i'm gonna do this i'm gonna have these big set pieces and i'm gonna pull it off and it's gonna look great um you got to build yourself up first it starts with you and then that energy is contagious you know other things will start falling into place you know you you can go out pitch your project find there's all sorts of grants and petitions now to help with funding Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just get out there and make your movie, get out there and create. That's the biggest thing I think any filmmaker especially can kind of take away from this project. Amazing. Love it. Cause that's what I bang on about all the time It's my little hashtag is make your film and that's it. Go do it. What, right. are you, what are you waiting for? And that's great advice. Thank you. Um, so seat of gold is available. Yes. On VOD. Um, mm-hmm. iTunes, Amazon, Xbox, Google Play, uh, the physical DVD is going to be available in major retailers and Redbox. That's exciting. So yeah. how did you how did you get it distributed then? How did you get it to that stage? Who took it on board? Um, eventually, what we what we did was once we kind of had the the final cut locked. Uh, again, another avenue opening up with my my job. They have a, a theater inside the facility, and what we did was we went to the American film market. Ron and I. Um, approached several different, you know, distributors, several different vendors, invited them out to watch the movie uh, privately. Uh, High Octane Pictures uh, being one of those companies. I actually had a, a, a relation with Galen Christie, who runs High Octane. Uh, a few years ago, he was with another company, and I was doing a lot of the finishing and deliverables uh, for that company that he was working with. And when he moved to High Octane, I was like, hey, you know, I actually just directed a movie. Um, you know, here's the trailer. And he saw it. And he was like, okay, we've got to talk. <laughs> we, we've got to talk about this movie you did. And he had a lot of interest in the project. And he's one of the few guys in distribution that are, like, honest. You can have a clear conversation with him and feel like, okay, this guy is not going to, you know, totally screw me out of what's old, you know, from working on this film. And he saw the movie and was like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to represent it. And we move forward with him, and that's and that's kind of what's going on. Is is he put a lot of faith into the project, and and now it's coming out to the world for for everyone to see. 
Amazing. So uh, the film is out now then on DVD, so you can own your physical copy. Yes. It's even better. Is there some extras on there? You know what? That's a good question. I'm not even sure. (laughs) Mm. I'm still having all the paranoid filmmaker things like, man, I really hope the right cut is on that disc. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. No, you're right. You get paranoid. Mums, if the VFX on that shot wasn't ready, why did they even take that? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Spelt someone's name wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah, all these things. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, And finally, it must have been really nice for you to have made your feature film. And especially after you'd worked on some big movies like Tangerine and Wolverine, to see your movie up there, sort of next to that in your mind when you're in these sort of grading suite and coloring and thinking, yeah, okay, uh, I've made a movie too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did that go through your mind a little? Yeah, it's like, it's it's kind of, uh, I feel like I belong, (laughs) you know, in in that space where, and I can, the, the good thing is I can connect especially when I'm working as a colorist with the director, I, I connect with them on a special level because they understand that I'm also, you know, a director and that I get why you want to spend those little extra minutes tweaking all of these small things because no one else may notice watching, but it matters to you. Um, and I totally empathize and I get all those fine tuning detail moments. Um, yeah. And we connect, you know, in a lot of our battle stories, of you know of of working on these films, it's, it's actually really funny when when the movie got released in the UK uh, as the Lost City of Gold. It actually charted the week it came out. It charted on the top twenty five of sales there. Yeah, it, it did yeah, really well. It did really well, and it, and it was at, it was right in between Steven Spielberg's The Post and and and, and Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. We like movie. our action films. We yeah. like our action films. What can we say? Yeah, I was, I was blown I away. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't do much publicity either. So that was no, just, it was, that was like, yeah, just it was, it was, it was a, it was a great surprise, um, you know, that it get, went out there and I started getting these messages on Twitter and, and Instagram where people say, Hey man, saw the movie, really enjoyed what you did there. Really were impressed with what mm. you put together in that package and, and, and can't wait to see the next thing um, yes. you do. And I was like, oh, okay, wow. So it's like, it's out there. People are watching it, you know, and whether they're, you know, loving it or hating it, it's getting a reaction and people are, you know, feeling some way about your work. And that's such a great thing about an artist is to have to work on it for, for so long in kind of this isolated mold and then to be able to share it you know it's it's both terrifying and beautiful you know to yeah. kind of be out and exposed and and sharing it with the world yeah totally agree yeah. totally agree um your next film uh the forever man should we talk a little bit about that or is it not in any s- state to talk about it yet yeah no there's so there's actually there's two projects um two that projects are, are, great yeah there's so there's there's one called the redeemer uh, which we're yeah. actually shooting in 11 days here in... Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, are you really? Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, oh, it, it's a, it's a, I'm it's, envious of you right now. Making a movie in 11 days. I know, I know, right? Buzzing. You got me right, yeah. right in the thick of pre-production. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You spent so much time with us. Thank you. Um, it's, like, it's probably nice to get your mind away from it for a little bit and just talk this. Yeah, yes. Good, good. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it, it is one of those things where it's kind of like perfect timing because now there's one movie coming out and then I'm already in the throes of doing another one. Um, this mm-hmm. one also reuniting me with Robbie Allen. Um, we're going to make these movies forever. So I, I hope you of guys you enjoy them because we'll be seeing them for a long time. Uh, <laughs> um, but we're doing this this Western film that kind of came inspired out of our talks of doing a, a gritty, dark take on the Lone Ranger, um, and we kind of took this character of, I wanted to play with this idea of what if there was this character who was born out of a family of thieves, born out of a family of criminals, and then that's his family lineage. He's always known as being part of this criminal pedigree, but he's adopted by a family of lawmen, and he gets raised in this this law culture culture and decides to become a U.S. Marshal when, he, when he's an adult. And by him taking on that badge, it actually puts him on a collision course with his family. And so now in order to preserve justice, it's a battle against his own blood and all the tension 
that kind of facilitates into that. And it's like I said, it's this play on the Lone Ranger, but he's got this whole tortured past. And uh, I'm producing that actually with my wife, uh, Fama, Ooh. and uh, my other long-term co- uh, collaborator who I mentioned earlier, Alan Azule, who is also as a producer and executive producer on that. We cast it. We've got all the wardrobe. Crew is all packed in. Um, we've got a two-time Emmy Award winning director of photography shooting that named Matt Halla. Uh, oh, really? Very excited. Very excited about this one. I'm excited for you. So Thank you've got you. The Redeemer. So That's called up The now. Redeemer. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then the, the Forever Man. The, and the Forever Man is a script that I'm writing. I've actually been working on that since I was 13. There's elements what? of that since I was 13 that were in this script. And that is my wow. that is my my baby. That's like my magnum okay. opus. Yes. Um that I'm and it's a very epic sci-fi adventure. Great. It's really exciting. Sounds like there's a lot going on. And you're still coloring stuff. You still do you've got your production company. It's yes. great. Um uh, you've got Hell, which is out very soon that you've colored the Mandela effect. Uh, so it's great. Uh, Lara and the Beat. Lots and lots of bits of other things as well you've yeah, been yeah. working on, which is <laughs> super exciting. So where can people follow you online to connect with you and uh, just to see what you're up to? Uh, they can go to my – I have an official website, which is harrylock4.com. Um, That's my official mm-hmm. website, and I try to keep that updated with projects and press releases and press news and things like that. There's also a contact page there they can use to reach out to me directly. Um, yep. Also on Facebook, Harry Lock the Fourth. Feel free to send me a friend request. Um, and Instagram, my Instagram handle is SoCal underscore Hal H A L, um, and they can see all the the cool pre production things that we're going to be doing with this western um, and the shoot that is eleven days away. We'll be snapping pictures Ooh. from set and, and putting all that stuff up there. Amazing. That's really cool. You can follow us at Filmmakers Pod. You can follow me at Giles Alderson or go to thefilmmakerspodcast.com where you can see all our back catalogue and listen to more likely. You can see them, but it's better to listen to them. Our back catalogue of uh, many, many podcasts all about filmmaking. Go there. Uh, And then if you like this, tell your friends. Support. Why not? Um, Being prepared is everything. You can make your indie film, but know who your audience is. Get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up, it's your duty to send that elevator back down. Harry Locke the Fourth, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. And remember, in the UK, the lost city of gold is out now. Go watch it. Go support. Uh, and the city of gold, it's a different title in the US, is out probably about now as well. 7th of December, if we already passed that Brilliant. Harry, honestly, thank you so much. You've given us so much knowledge and insight. Um, repay the favour, everyone else. Cool, man. Take care, buddy. Enjoy your, enjoy your shoot. Thank you. I appreciate more it. it. Thank you so much. Have a good All one. All right. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. You can check out more shows like it at podfixnetwork.com.